The opinions and views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of HTT Media Group. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome listeners to Season 1, Episode 1 of Listen Closely. My name is Bobby and I will be your host for this show. If you're not already, please find the Listen Closely podcast on Facebook, where I will post photos, vlogs, articles related to the case, and much, much more. That's Listen Closely podcast on Facebook or at HTT Listen Closely. Without further ado, please sit back, relax, and listen closely. So before we get into our ghost story for today, I just want to real quickly um, tell about who I am and why I think I'm able to talk about these things. Uh, So my name is Bobby. I've lived in the Southeast Texas area basically my entire life. The only time I left was to go to college in Louisiana, and we all know how Louisiana is with their ghost stories and urban legends. Um, I will also be joined... By my husband from time to time, who is also my producer, uh, John. What's up, guys? And he's just going to be chiming in every now and then, giving me his little side of the story and what he may feel uh, is good, I guess. Are you ready to get started on this one? Yeah, let's go. All right. So, again, we're going to be talking about the Olive Ghost Train, but to talk about that ghost train we actually have to talk about all of texas do you know anything about all of texas um i actually just visited there recently with you so all i know is that it has one cemetery and that's about it supposedly supposedly yeah well we'll we'll get into that a little bit later yeah but uh yes all of texas is now long forgotten town with only a cemetery that's remaining and So I want you all to just sit back and listen closely because this story has a couple of connections to future episodes. So Olive, Texas was named after Sydney Olive and is about three miles north of Kuntz along US 69. Sydney, like many others, set out to build a lumber empire, but due to setbacks with his continental sawmill in Beaumont, Texas, Olive and his business partner, John Sternenberg, I believe is how you say it, Uh, built a new mill called the Sunset Mill. This mill quickly became a booming sensation and a town was formed, a.k.a. all of Texas, in 1881. So just to give a little backstory about that, like, so our area where where we live now is, it it thrived on lumber production. Oh yeah, we're called the Big Thicket. Right, in in the early 1900s. That's why this area was kind of formatted the way it was, and you had sawmills pop up all around this area. So right. for them and to have that sawmill there was a pretty big thing. Of course. And the so the Continental Sawmill that was in Beaumont actually had a bunch of setbacks due in part because of 
the lack of train railways, and uh, they also had a fire. And then just, you know, the waterways wasn't really working out for them as they had once thought. So they had to, you know, kind of go with both a different realm. Right. So Olive was successful at that point, and it was the largest town in the county with a population of about 1,200 people. Right. Uh, this town had everything, including schools, obviously a post office, churches, and a well-stocked saloon. Glug, glug, glug. Yeah, I bet you're really proud about that one. <laughs> um, anyways, so Olive and the Sunset Mill was uh, obviously a very successful little thing. It was largely successful because of the Sabine and East Texas Railway, which I want you to remember that name because it's going to come up in future episodes. So Say remember, it again. The, Sab- the Sabine and East Texas Railroad. Sabine and East Texas Railway. Okay. Yes. So unfortunately, the mill caught fire uh, not once, but twice in the town's history. Once was in 1903, but of course they rebuilt it. And the second time, only four years later, in 1907. That and the lack of reforestation caused the mill to close down. And, you know, when the mill closes down, obviously that's a lot of jobs that are now gone. So a lot of people quickly dispersed throughout the areas, found different sawmills and different towns that they can populate and call home. Right. So in 1912, the town was all but gone with just a few remaining residents still in the area. In 1920, however, even the post office was left abandoned. Oh. So this town, while abandoned, was still listed on the railroad maps until about 1918. And at some point throughout that time, uh, the railway did pull up its tracks. And that's where we lead into our ghost story. Okay. So why, so I guess the, the big foreshadowing in this is why did everybody abandon this town? Well, it was largely in part to the sawmill being closed, obviously. Right. And with reforestation, basically, they cut down all the trees and didn't grow more. Right. I mean, that's the big thing. Um, The town also had uh, other opportunities, shockingly. So the town could have been successful with its farming, uh, orchard, stock raising, and a bunch of other... uh, avenues such as vineyards right you uh, so i read that what what did they grew grapes they did grow grapes and a couple of other things um our area was actually really rich uh in the soil product it's not soil but uh so they could have survived but however they put all their chickens in one basket and kind of just left it to be itself absolutely and just to give you a little background so in 1900 the census was 976 people now, if you remember, I said 1,200 people was was at that one point the largest in the area. So in 1900, we had 976 people. And then by 1912, they had all been gone. Like, they're all left. So, so in 12 years, they're gone. Like we said earlier in the show, this is what, and this is where my, and this is strictly my opinion, but it's just kind of confusing to me because when we went to the cemetery, you counted how many? Twelve graves. Twelve graves. Yes. Yes. So for a town that had, and all these graves dated back to early 1900s. Yeah, I mean it was it yeah. was around this time of right. All so of Texas. what throws me off, and I'm gonna let I'm gonna tell her so she can kind of tell you a little bit about this, is there are twelve graves in a town of 
almost a thousand people. So twelve hundred. Twelve hundred at his heyday. Yeah. At his heyday. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And so I made the comment that there has to be more out there that that researchers and archaeologists and people haven't found. So, but the thing with that you have to remember is that there was a lot of diseases and illnesses in the area. Um, We know of a yellow fever outbreak in Galveston. And you think, okay, if you know this area, Galveston's what, maybe two hours-ish away? Yeah. Give or take? Somewhere, yeah. So it's about two hours away by car. Right. And back in then, obviously, they didn't have cars, but that's still relatively close, and especially with the railways and how they were connecting and, you know, have all these little right. stations. So it's easy to see that that yellow fever could have moved northward into Olive in this area. And if you know anything about, you know, like the Black Plague back in the day or any of these major diseases, uh, what they did back then was they would have mass graves. Right. So instead of, you know... Uh, here's John Doe in his grave. He died of yellow fever. They just couldn't do that because they couldn't keep up with the amount of bodies. Right, and also one of the big parts of that is they didn't want to they didn't want to do single graves because to do a single grave took a lot of time, and they didn't want these bodies laying out there because they didn't under they didn't know if they still had the fever. You know, it was still in their blood. Right. I mean, they're still contaminated. Yeah, so they just dug these big holes and just chunked them yeah. in. Yeah, they had like huge trenches where yeah. they would just you know dispose of all the bodies. Right. Uh, all in one hit instead of, you know, having very a lot of single graves. Right. So let's get into that ghost story. I'm yeah. kind of curious now. So the Olive, Texas ghost train. Um. So at one point, I could not get a date on when the story actually takes place. I know it's after Olive has officially closed down. Nobody lives there, but maybe, you know, one or two people in the area, like they just refuse to leave their land. Right. But a man who goes by Tim Hargraves in almost every story I found right. came to Olive to look for his uncle. After arriving in the area, he was informed that Olive was obviously not existent anymore as a working town. Um, but Tim decided he still wanted to go search for her, his uncle, who is said to be a conductor for the railroad that passed by Olive, which would be the Sabine and East Texas Railroad. Now, this guy was from, I, I read a story that he was from Boston. Um, I or where was he from? Can't remember per se. I know he was from up north. Yes, he is from up north. Yes. <clears throat> um, I don't remember which town it was because you know it's just it's one of these urban legends. We're not entirely sure where he's from. Right. For sure, up north, the different accounts kind of say differently. But ideally, it would have taken him a, a, a little while to get down here. Yes, like, it, I mean back yeah. in that day, 1900s, right. even to 1920s and 30s, they still had cars, but they were not fast cars. Right. Like, (laughs) by no means was he able to get here that fast. Right. So Tim hopped on a train and rode to the closest point he could to Olive, which we can only assume is Coons, Texas. Obviously, we know that Coons has a lot of railways and, I mean, this whole area does. Correct. But that one is still even operational today. Right. Uh, So he rode to Coons, and there he was instructed to walk about three miles north where he would find Olive. And once he arrived at Olive, they told him, hey, go search for this last remaining resident. We don't know his name. Uh, we'll just call him Mark. So uh, they said, go look at find Mark. He'll tell you, you know, a little bit more about it because he's lived in the area for a while, even while Olive was still operational. And he was going there for work, correct? He was going there to find his uncle um, 
for work, yes. Right, like he was going to try to yes. get so him on the Yes, so the account goes that his mother had passed away and he had heard of, you know, this booming sawmill place down in Texas that, you know, there was plenty of work there. So he was going there to look for his uncle, possibly get the hookup for some work. Cool, cool. Right. So after about a mile to a mile and a half of walking, which, you know... We can't even begin <laughs> to think about walking a mile to mile and a half. I they mean, said three miles from Coons. I'm like, and he had to walk that. Like, <laughs> yeah, he had whoop. to walk this. And that's not including any luggage he might have right. had or any belongings that he had with him. Like, they have hitchhikers back then? Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they had to have had some transient railway yeah. guys. You yeah, know? absolutely. We all think of like the guy with the stick and the, yeah, the little the hobo, handkerchief. The, the ideal hobo, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that was Tim, but, I mean, you never know. Like, you know, his mom had just passed away. He might have just lost everything. Yeah. We're not too sure. But he walked, and for about a mile to mile and a half away from where he was dropped off, he started to hear the sound of a train approaching. So knowing this couldn't have obviously been that same train that he had just got off of because it doesn't go that way. Correct. I mean, they literally told him there's no train that goes there. Right. He went to go investigate and he saw a train barreling towards him in a clearing with a conductor on board. On tracks? Um, It didn't really say on tracks. Mm. I mean, if you're obviously looking at a train, you're not really looking at tracks. Right. I mean, when I look at a train, I'm looking at the train. Uh, yeah, the majestic not beast really, of... Not really what's it riding on. Right. And if you know this area, some tracks are actually kind of laid in ground. Correct. So you don't actually see, you know, the whole wood I don't wood tracks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, they kind of go underground just a little bit on some, some areas. Well, I know driving down some of these old country back roads in, in our area, they... There are places where, like you said, you can't even see the tracks. Like, it's like just... Like, you don't see them yeah. until you ride on them. Right. Right. So obviously perplexed by this because a train is not supposed to be over here. Right. He tried to follow the train, but I mean, it quickly went away. Right. I mean, you're thinking about Tim, who's already walked a mile and a half and tired, probably exhausted from the long ride, from his long trip, trying to chase down a train. Right. That's going, we don't even know how fast. Yeah. So, I mean, it got away from him. So still confused, he went towards... That last remaining resident, uh, we called him Mark. He yeah. went towards Mark's house. He made it. And so Mark opened the door and, you know, was like, you know, hey, I used to work at the sawmill. Maybe I know your uncle. Like, what was his name? So Tim gave him a little bit of the background of, you know, hey, my uncle's name was whatever. And he was a conductor of the railway. And Mark confirmed, like, yeah, that, I know him. I remember him. Like, I, I worked side by side with him. Right. So... He did confirm that he did used to work there, the Tim's uncle. But he, like all the other residents, except for Mark, um, went away when Olive closed and found better work, found a new home. And he is said to have moved. God, I can't remember where it said he moved. I want to say it was like Nacogdoches or something. Okay. So he, he moved a bit away. So Quite a some work. Ways, yeah. Um, and he was also conductor up there. It was either Nacogdoches, Lufkin. I mean, it was something like that, like another pretty right. booming town, booming town yeah. for especially for railways. Right. And he got work there. Um, but the story goes that he actually, last he heard, passed away. So Tim's oh. uncle passed away. So Tim believes that it was his uncle driving that train. And his uncle was a conductor. His uncle was a conductor. Oh. Huh. So Tim believes that it was his uncle driving that ghost train. 
that he saw. And that ghost train is now said to uh, roll through every Halloween. Halloween night. On Halloween night, it doesn't really say on, you know, the dark, cold, spooky Halloween. Like, it doesn't say anything on that on the story. It just says every Halloween night, you can go to that area, you'll hear the whistle, and you'll see the train roll through, obviously with no tracks. Hmm. So... I guess my biggest question is where. So we, when we went out there, we saw what the where the new tracks were, like the for the Santa Fe, I believe it would be, or yeah. I mean, BNSF obviously in now. this area, we we have plenty of tracks right. and plenty of railways running all over the place. Right. So would that be? Um, would the tracks have been close to those? You think? Um, you can look at old railway maps. To kind of look at it. And I actually have a map of um, Hardin, Texas, and the old railways that I'm going to be posting on my Facebook. So you have to go to my Facebook at HTT Listen Closely. And there you can see the old map that I found that, you know, shows all of as compared to like Coontz and Bragg, Texas, and a couple of other, you know, towns at the time. Right, yeah. And it'll also show you like, you know, the Sabine and East Texas Railway the um the Gulf Colorado Santa Fe Railway, which is probably the one you're talking about. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that went to Galveston. Okay. And was highly connected to that yellow fever outbreak. Right. Which if you look at that rail map, you can kind of see that they kinda crisscross applesauce. Right. But that's a story for another episode oh, about yes. the Galveston and the yellow fever and stuff. But we will get to that. Yes. So, I mean, if you choose to go to all of Texas, you'll find that uh, cemetery with about 12 headstones. Now, it is a beautiful area. Now, granted, yes. you're right next to the highway, so it is pretty loud because you hear the cars just, you know, zooming past now. But, I mean, it's still pretty nice to go look at. You know, they have it real well maintained, which actually I don't think the state really does that. I'm not too sure. So, I'm pretty sure that building across, which is the olive agricultural department I, right. I think they are the ones that clean it up and well and i also know that there are some volunteers because right. if you look right behind that wooden sign that says olive cemetery uh, right behind that is a uh log book and yes. it's uh in a metal box uh, an old electrical box I believe. yeah an old electrical box well it's a new electrical box well yeah but <laughs> And there you can uh, see, you know, the different guests that have gone by. You can ride it, see what they've done. Some of them say, you know, I mowed the lawn today or I picked weeds or, hey, I'm just visiting from Winnie, Texas. I saw one that said Winnie, Texas. And that's kind of cool to see. And then you can also log in. We did when we went that we came. Yeah. uh, We just logged the day where we were from and just visiting. Yeah. Um, But always please to remember if you go to any of the places that I'm talking about that you be respectful, regardless if it's a cemetery, if it's an old abandoned building, even if it's somewhere that we still use today. Just please be respectful and only leave food pitch on the ground. Don't leave any trash. Don't leave anything behind. Right. And if you see trash, I mean, be nice and pick it up. Yeah, I mean, simple as that. One of the things we like to do in this show is, you know, we like to go to these places. We want for you and your kids to be able to visit these places, but we can't do that without being respectful. So make sure that you are being respectful of not only of uh, of like the cemeteries and the buildings and stuff, but of the people that have passed that right. are buried. Or the there. families that are connected to the Correct. areas. Correct. So the big question, is there a ghost train? 
So are you, so you're asking my opinion on that? What's well, kind of a, it's both of our opinions. What do, you, um, what do you think about this? So I'm really weird in the fact that, you know, me personally in my life, I do believe in ghosts. I've seen ghosts before. I do believe that premonitions can possibly be there. Now, as far as the ghost train, I think that there is probably some kind of mix up with that and the new railroad there. Right. I think that you hear people go out there on Halloween night, they hear the sound of the train from the new thing and think it's that. But I don't know. I think it would be one of those things you'd have to see it to believe it type thing. Right. Like, yeah. And uh, so I also kind of believe the same thing. Um, you know, obviously, if you're in this area in southeast Texas or even an area that has a bunch of trains... You know that you can hear that train whistle, whether you're right on top right. of it or like 10 miles out. I mean, you hear that train whistle and I mean, you hear where we those live, tracks. We literally hear it every night. Right. We're, <laughs> I mean, anywhere in Silsby, yeah. you can hear a train, uh, regardless of where you're at. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, oh, is that a ghost train or is that an actual train? Right. And with us being a switching station here in Silsby, yeah. I mean, we always account, oh, it's just a train. Yeah. But in Olive, where there are no tracks that close by, I mean, there are tracks, but you also have a lot of trees that should buffer that. Right. And not only that, but like on that stretch right there, there's no drive throughs like where, right. where a road crosses it. So a train shouldn't be. You shouldn't blaring. be able to hear that. Yeah. I mean, not as loud as, you know, because the way they kind of made it seem in the story was like you hear it like it's right on top of you. Right. And with the amount of trees. You know, overgrown Correct. forest, the cars zooming by on 69. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be able to hear a train, but I'm not sure. Maybe uh, maybe you'll have to go out there and just, I don't know, listen closely. You maybe you will. Anyways, uh, I guess that's all for us today. Please remember to like and uh, follow me on Facebook at HTT Listen Closely where I will be posting different vlogs, pictures, and some of our uh, times we went out to the places. So I do have pictures of this cemetery that we saw and a little bit of more history into it. Anyways, that's all from us today. I hope you enjoyed today's topic and that you always listen closely.